Matthew chapter 18. Uh, look with me at verses 18, 19, and 20. And you won't see the words prayer meeting in, this, in these three verses, in this passage. But I want you to follow along carefully and see if you can catch the spirit of a prayer meeting in these three verses. Okay? Matthew 18, verse 18, 19, and 20. Verily I say unto you, this is Jesus, whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Father, help us to understand this passage. And as we, as I ask questions and we think about deeply about what you're teaching us here and in other places in the scripture, open our eyes to truth and give us a fresh uh, encouragement, a fresh vision for prayer, a rejuvenated spirit to pray to you both individually and uh, when we meet together as a church. And we ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, there in that, uh, those three verses, where is the idea of uh, prayer? What phrase or word do you notice that is often associated with prayer? Okay, now, yeah, but prayer. Ask, ask right? Part of prayer is asking. So ask, if any of you ask anything in my name. Uh, Shimmy. Yes, if they shall ask, it shall be done for them. That's, I'm quoting a different verse. Ask, prayer. Um, gathered together, two or three. That's the idea of a meeting. So this passage helps us understand a little bit about the purpose of our prayer meetings. And, you know, we don't always talk about prayer every time we have a Bible study on Wednesday nights. I do want the focus of our Wednesday night meetings to continue to be prayer. Not just the teaching. Teaching is good. But I want it to be prayer. I hope you came to pray. I hope those of you at home are planning when the live stream gets turned off to take time to pray. And not merely, okay, that, that's, that was a good Bible study. Let's go on with life. We need more prayer. Uh, Jesse was talking with me, or it was actually a series of texts, but the other day, just reminding me, our children are under attack. People want to twist and pervert our children's minds, whether it's at school, whether it's uh, television streaming. I mean, when I say television, I, you know, it can be take all forms. You can watch television on your smartphone now. My wife was reminding me, it used to be a time, I, I, I'm not trying to name drop here, but it used to be a time when Disney often provided family-friendly entertainment. Don't trust Disney. <laughs> They're not providing family-friendly entertainment anymore. We're under attack. What is the, what are the two offensive weapons that God gives to us when he gives us the armor of God? What are the two offensive weapons we have in that passage in Ephesians chapter 6? One is the sword of the spirit, which we know is the word of God, right? And what is the other offensive weapon there in that passage? And often we don't think of it as part of the armor of God. Let's turn there. We're going to get there eventually anyway. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. We're going to be in a lot of different passages tonight, and I hope you will be patient uh, to look these passages up, at least write down the passages, take some time to think about them, to study them out, maybe in your personal devotions. Um, prayer is such a key to our church, Elmira Baptist Church. 
prayer is a key to accomplishing God's work here on earth. And so often we neglect it because, frankly, it's, it's work. We're not always comfortable with it. It's, it's, it's a spiritual battle. We don't always see the results. It's not like you clean your kitchen and you step back and say, now that's a clean kitchen, right? It's not like you write a, a letter to someone and you put it in the envelope and you lick the stamp. That letter is finished. Prayer doesn't really work that way. And so sometimes we get weary and well-doing and we say, well, I prayed for this a long time. And one of the offensive weapons that we have here in Ephesians 6, the first, of course, being the sword of the spirit. Let's pick it up in verse 17, Ephesians 6, 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Here's one of the ways we go on the offensive. We're not merely passive observers of our culture sliding down the hill to destruction. We're not merely, well, I hope the rapture comes before it gets any worse. Now, by the way, I hope the rapture comes. If the rapture comes tonight, hey, praise the Lord. But we're not, we're not just holding on for dear life. We are, we are called to go on the offensive. And partly in our personal prayer lives, when I pray in my prayer closet, when you pray in your prayer closet. But that's one of the reasons we meet together on Wednesday nights. Is because we recognize that we need to go on the offensive and pray about some of these issues, both locally, nationally, etc. So as uh, Jesse and I were talking, there were some ideas he introduced and just a few that I added on. I think there are some key things that we need to do as Christians to go on the offensive. So here's one that we're going to be working on here on Sunday mornings. Back to basics. We need to make sure in our own personal lives, we've cleared out the deadwood, gotten rid of the, 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 the bad habits of sin that just sort of accumulate over time, and we're focused on accomplishing God's will in our lives personally. Because we are never going to be the soldiers for God that we desire to be if we're distracted, right? No man that warreth, 2 Timothy 2 tells us, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath called him to be a soldier. And uh, uh, frankly, I know, because this ha happens to me regularly, I've got to stop, come to God and say, search me. What are the entanglements? And God says, what about this? Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> That's the, okay. I'm gonna, I'm, it's not that they're evil. It's not that I'm uh, stealing from the convenience store, but they're things that are keeping me from accomplishing God's will. So that's one of the things we're going to do is examine our own lives. Number two, we're going to set aside times as a church to pray. Now, we already meet on Wednesday nights to pray, and so what I want to do tonight is give a, a re-emphasis to that. I want to pound the pulpit, so to speak, and just remind us why we gather on Wednesday nights. Now, yes, we want to recharge our batteries, middle of the week. Uh, I don't think anyone is here tonight because they're bored and they didn't know what else to do at home. So they thought, you know, I'll go over to the church, see what they're doing. I hope you're here intentionally. But that's what tonight is about. It's about prayer. And we're going to set aside some Sunday nights to pray. Why Sunday nights? Well, because some people can come out Sunday nights that can't come out Wednesday nights. And we want to have an emphasis on prayer at Elmira Baptist Church. You remember a few Sundays back at the end of a sermon, I asked the men to lead families in prayer. And we may do that in the future, but I'm just thinking we'll take that Sunday night. We'll, we'll have a little bit of instruction on what our prayer target is. Not just, you know, you pray for what you want, you pray for what you want, but have a, a prayer target. One of our prayer targets is going to be these meetings 
with Matt Galvin. He'll be here on November 6th, that Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. We're not doing that because I'm bored and I don't know what else to do. Frankly, I think November and December is a, is a, is a difficult time to have nightly meetings because all of you are busy. You've got Thanksgiving coming up. You've got Christmas. It just is a busy time of year. But it's important that we have times of refreshing. We set aside times and say, God, speak to us. So we're going to pray about that. We're going to pray about our local uh, school districts. For Vacaville, for Travis, for Fairfield. Uh, even though I don't send my kids there, as a taxpayer I'm concerned, and even more importantly as a Christian, I'm called to be salt and light. And maybe I can't just walk into Vacaville High School and say, hey, let me show you how I would do it. But we can certainly pray. We can certainly pray for Christina Bean. She's, she's in the trenches. I mean, she's fighting the battle. We can pray for other teachers. Perhaps you know of a teacher that serves in one of these school districts, and if you'll bring me their, his name, her name, we'd be glad to pray for them by name because this is how we go on the offensive. Um, number two, or three, um, and, and now we're getting a little bit of field. We'll come back to prayer in a minute, but we want to enable those of you who want to homeschool your children. We want to make that possible. How, well, exactly what that looks like, I don't know. Please pray for God to give me wisdom. But uh, I, I just cannot encourage any serious-minded Christian to send their children to public schools. And that's been true for a long time, but it just gets worse. Um, I want to encourage you, and I will mention this again on Sunday night, October 2nd, but we ought to pray that God would raise up some people from our own church that would run for school board. What better way to influence the policies of Vacaville and Travis and Fairfield than to have good Christians on the board who say, now, wait a minute, before, before we think about, let's think about this policy in light of scripture. And yes, they'll get laughed off the board, but it's not important for us to make sure God's word is respected. Our job is to get the scripture out there and God will shine the light of his truth on, on his word. So we, so maybe that would be you. Maybe it'd be someone we know. Um, we need to see, and again, this is one where we need some wisdom. We need to see how we can get our hands on the policy documents for our local school boards, for, for Vacaville, for uh, Travis, for Fairfield. You would think that because these are public institutions, you could just walk into the office and say, what is the school's policy on sex education? Or what is the school's policy on pronoun usage? But frankly, they're not really eager to get that information out. So we need to pray about how we can find out what this information is, where, where we can get it, and then disseminate it to other Christians, and particularly other Christian leaders in our community. And then the last one, and hear me, it's going to seem a little bit extreme for a second, but we need to be committed as Christians to offering our jobs as a sacrifice to God, if need be. In other words, be willing to be fired because we're going to stand for righteousness, even if everyone else is going a different direction. I am thinking particularly of a teacher in the Loudoun County School Districts. His name was Tanner Cross. He was a, an elementary school uh, physical education teacher. And the policy came down in the Loudoun County Schools, this is in Virginia, that you had to address students by their, the students' chosen pronouns. So if a student said, you know, you call me she and her, then you had to do that. He said, I'm not going, he said in front of the school board, as a teacher, he said, I am not going to lie to the students about their gender. So the school fired him. Now, he did get his job 
back, I think he ended up suing. I do know he ended up suing the school district, but he was willing to stand up and say, this is lying to the children and I'm not. He said, because I'm a Christian, I cannot lie to these students. Now, if we're not willing, if we're not willing to take those stands, then of course, who is? Who is? Now, when I say willing to take that stand, it also means that as a church, we need to rally around those people. Maybe we all need to go to the school board meeting with them. Maybe we all need to go uh, stand outside a particular uh, office building and let people know we are standing with this person for righteousness. What does Matthew tell us? Or what does Jesus tell us in Matthew? Blessed are ye when men shall revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil about you falsely. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So we want to be willing to do that, not just as an individual, hey, you should do that, but as a church, we're standing with you because we're standing on the side of righteousness. So these are some things that we're going to be talking about in depth as a church, uh, again, on October 2nd, uh, when, when we take some time to pray. Uh, but tonight, let's get back to this focusing on prayer meeting dynamics why is it that we meet to pray in the middle of the week? Let's see if we can boil it down. Give me some, some feedback here. I know what I, where I'm going with this. I'm not wondering, well, why do we meet here? But let me see what you know. Why do we meet on Wednesday nights in the middle of the week? Uh, other churches don't. By the way, there's no injunction in the New Testament. Thou shalt meet during the middle of the week to pray. Now, we're going to look at a lot of prayer meetings that happened in the New Testament. And to those of you that remember, um, early in the book of Acts, it says they met daily. So we don't even do that. But what, why? What is it about prayer that makes us say, hey, let's take time. All of you are busy. Well, maybe not Kezia, but most of you are busy. Why take time out of our busyness to gather and pray? We could just pray at home. Eva could have uh, Sarah over to her house, and they too could pray, and you know, my wife and I could pray, and Maybe David could join us. I mean, we could have home meetings, but what are we trying to accomplish by meeting in the middle of the week to pray? Franklin, your hands up. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You're right, and we want to recharge our spiritual batteries in the middle of the week. You're right. Another idea? Some feedback? Yes, Jessica. It helps me to get the perspective. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe little kids help you. You, know, you need that help with little kids sometimes. You need, some of you have jobs. You need that help to get your perspective back in the middle of the week. Yes, Eva? To refresh um, our love with the Lord. Yeah. Yes. Amen. I'm an eavesdropper when I'm here at church. And I listen. <laughs> I listen to the conversations that you have, and I don't always insert myself. Occasionally, I do. But it's so encouraging to me as a pastor. I'll hear someone just putting their heart out there. Hey, this is what's happening to me. One of you saying, "Hey, let me encourage you." Maybe you have a verse for. Them. Maybe you have some godly advice, or maybe you just say, "Let's pray." I'll pray for you. Yeah, it, it is real, and uh, this gives us a chance to regroup and go back out. But let me remind you that prayer 
is the means for accomplishing God's will on earth. Prayer is the means for accomplishing God's will on earth. There are other means. I mean, if we only pray, we're not going to accomplish God's will. But certainly we can't go out to do anything for God's glory until we've taken time to pray. Notice even in this passage, uh, this passage being Matthew 18, 18, we were in Ephesians 6. So go back to Matthew 18, 18. There's an interesting phrase here, and I've seen several different explanations for it, but I like this explanation. He says in verse 18, Matthew 18, 18, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What is he saying? Now, we could just see this purely from a human perspective and say, well, if I want it, God, you know, we get enough people on board, God has to give it to me. We know that's not the proper understanding of this passage. But what we can see here is what we're doing here on earth has an impact on what goes on in heaven. Now, I'll be frank. I I can't put all these pieces together. I can't tie all the strings together so they make a perfect perfect, uh, tapestry here. I don't understand how it is that what we do here on earth moves the hand of God in heaven. But I know that it happens. I know that it matters whether we pray or not. Let me show you a passage, a couple passages in the Old Testament. We're going to look at passages in the New Testament too, but look at 2 Kings chapter 13 with me. It matters whether we pray. Uh, You might meet a Christian from time to time who just says, well, you know, God, you know, God's will is God's will and nobody can stop him and whatever he's going to do, he's going to do. So prayer just sort of jumps on board and, 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 you know, we're, we're getting on board with God. I don't think that is a, a full understanding of how prayer works. Let me show you uh, 2 Kings chapter 13. Now, we're told here that this is the time Elisha was fallen sick. He's, he's, he's expecting to die. This is Second uh, Kings 13, 14. Excuse me. 2 Kings 13, 14. Elisha was fallen sick of the sickness wherever he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him, wept. My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Elisha says, take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened the window, opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. So you get this idea. He's got this bow and this arrow. The king does. Elisha puts his hands over the king's hands. And he shoots this arrow out of the window. Then look what happens next. Verse 18. And he said, take the arrows. That would Elisha. Take the arrows. The king took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. So hit the ground three times. One, two, three. And the man of God was wroth with him. I mean, Elisha got angry. He says, verse 19. Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till they had, thou hadst consumed them. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. For whatever reason, God put in the power of Joash here in this little event in, in history. The opportunity to choose how many times he was going to be victorious over the Syrians. I, again, I'm, why would God do that? I don't know. God can do anything he wants. He's all powerful. He doesn't need Joash to hit the ground more times. You know, oh man, now I missed my opportunity. How, 
How am I going to help Joash? He only hit... God could have still God still could have given power to Joash to defeat the Syrians five or six times. But he says, because you only hit the ground three times, you're going to get three victories. Now, I know this isn't exactly prayer, but I ask you this question. How many times has God wanted to work on our behalf? He's wanted to pour out his grace. He's wanted to change the direction of somebody's uh, heart. Uh, he's wanted to, to pour out his blessing. But because we have not prayed, God has chosen not to, to, to act. Again, that's God's choice. <laughs> Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying you make God do anything, but it certainly seems that we can prevent God from acting because we refuse to pray. Let me show you another passage, Psalm uh, 81. This is a well-known passage. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. This is from Psalm 81, verse 10. We're seeing, we're seeing that our prayers matter. Not because we force God to do anything, but because God is so eager to work on our behalf. And sometimes he's just waiting for us to pray in persevering prayer for something. But if we don't pray, for whatever reason, God does not act. Psalm 81.10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me. So I gave them up to their own hearts lust and they walked in their own counsels. What does God say here? Open your mouth. Tell me what you want. I'll, I'll pour out a blessing. And the people said, no, nah, no, nah, we got this God. And so God said, okay, I let them go their own way. Now, again, don't misunderstand. God is not hindered by our prayers as in we, we somehow put a fence around him and he can't break out. God can break out of that fence anytime he wants, but he chooses to bless us in proportion to our prayers. Now, I'm not saying always. Sometimes people don't pray and God works anyway. And sometimes people prayed a long time and it, it seemingly to the human mind, God hasn't worked at all. But let's it, let it never be said of Elmira Baptist Church that God wanted to bless us, but we didn't receive his blessing because we were too busy to pray. We, we just didn't think that was important. Let's, let's be candid. Why do you think that God has blessed us with the money to, to, to work on this building? Because I'm brilliant? No. Because we've been praying about it. You've been praying about it. I've been praying about it. Let's imagine for the last, well, I've, I've been here four years, so let's imagine the last four years. I know the project is much longer than that. The last four years we've said, you know, God's going to finish this building when he finishes it. We don't need to pray about it. Do you think? But God might have just said, you know, I tell you what, why did, I'm just going to wait till you pray about it. Right? I, I can think of people in my own life. I prayed for God to change their heart. They, they, they were set in a direction. I prayed, and suddenly they decided to do something completely different. Now, again, God doesn't need my prayers. I'm not giving God ammunition, and without it, God's, you know, what am I going to do? God, God doesn't need me at all. But I do wonder sometimes if I just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pray for that person. If God would have changed their heart like he did. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people would not hearken. Israel would have none of me. Prayer matters whether we pray or not. Look with me um, at 1 John chapter 5. Go to the other end of your Bible. 1 John chapter 5. 
1 John chapter 5. If you've never taken time to memorize these verses, and I, and I need to refresh my, my memory of these, I would memorize and meditate on these verses. 1 John 5, 14 says this, This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything, notice the next four words, according to his will, he heareth us. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So when it comes to prayer, prayer isn't me saying, you know, God, I think this is a good idea. Prayer is me identifying what God's will is and then praying according to God's will. Now, I've been wrong before. I'm a human being. We have a lot of different things that take us this way and that way. So I don't want you to become discouraged in praying if you don't, if you pray for something and God doesn't answer the way you expect. Don't become discouraged is my point. But prayer isn't me saying, you know, God, I really wish Emily and Michael would live in California, so I'm going to pray for that. Emily and Michael are my daughter, my son-in-law, if you didn't miss that reference. I do want them to live in California, by the way. I think that would be fantastic. But it's not a matter of what I want. By the way, I've been telling God that. You know, hey, I think it would be great. Prayer, and specifically when we meet to pray, and when we consider what's on this a prayer sheet, it isn't about what do I want. It's about what is God doing in our lives, in our church, in our community. Let's pray for that. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Um, sometimes it is that God stirs up his people to pray just as he is getting ready to work. I'm going to just re remark on these two instances you can read about them in Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. It says that the children of Israel, remember they were in bondage in Egypt. Exodus 2, 23 and 24. They cried out to the Lord and the Lord heard their cry. Now we know that God had already told Abraham that his descendants would be in Israel how many years? 400 years. So if the people would have cried in year 300, they still had to wait for 100 years. If the people would have waited to cry in year 475, it would have been too late. But it seems, it almost seems to me as if God stirred their hearts to pray just as he was getting ready to work. And that's why I encourage us to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives, the lives of the people around us, in our church, in our community. Because if God is stirring us up to pray for something, it may be he's getting ready to work. And what... It, what joy it is when we identify what God's will is, we pray according to his will, he hears us, and we get the petition that we asked of him. Here's another example, um, Daniel chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. Daniel 9, verses 2 and 3. Daniel specifically recalls that Jeremiah had said that they would be in exile 70 years. And I've showed you these verses before. They'd be in exile for 70 years. And Daniel realizes, we're in year 66, 67, 68. It's getting really close now. And so what does Daniel do? He prays. He could say, well, God's going to answer in 70 years. I mean, I trust God's going to be faithful. So, whew, good prophecy. But he doesn't. He says, boy, God prophesied. God's getting ready to work. I want to be a part of this. And he begins to pray. 
So again, it appears from these, and also we're going to next week, we're going to look in the book of Acts, that sometimes when God's getting ready to work, he starts stirring up his people to pray. And so when you sense that, and I, I don't know about you, I sense more and more Christians, serious-minded Christians, who are burdened for prayer, both as individuals and as groups, I'm excited because it seems to me God's going to work. Now, I'm not saying what God's going to do because I don't know. But it seems to me God's going to work because we're, he's stirring us up to pray. And prayer, as we, as we think about prayer as a means of accomplishing God's will, Concerted prayer, when, when a group of us pray and we're fervent in our prayers, doesn't that open our eyes to see what God's already doing and what he's about to do? I don't know about you, but when I'm praying about something, I now I'm invested in it. Some of you know I'll ask you about a family member. Hey, we've been praying for so-and-so. Why am I asking? I, I'm invested. I've been praying. I've been putting my heart into these requests, and I want to know what's God doing. Now, sometimes you say nothing, you know. I mean, and I, boy, I don't get discouraged. Okay, maybe I misunderstood how that one was supposed to work. But I tell you what, I I want to know. I'm looking when I pray that God would open my eyes to see that the fields are white to harvest. That makes me more likely to give a track and to witness to people because I've been praying about it, and I think God's going to do something. When I don't pray about it, I'm less likely to see it. Think about Nehemiah. Do you remember Nehemiah? In uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, his brother comes. He tells him about the terrible state of Jerusalem. The walls are down. They're burned with fire. It's just defenseless. And Nehemiah becomes so burdened, he begins to fast and he prays. And then in chapter 2, the king notices that Nehemiah is not the same person he always is. Something's wrong, Nehemiah. What's wrong? And what does Nehemiah say? Oh, nothing. Just having a bad day. I mean, it's just been really hard. No. He says, I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, Jerusalem, the walls are burned. Don't you get the feeling that the reason that Nehemiah opened his mouth boldly to talk to the king about Jerusalem was because he had been praying about that very thing? You pray for a person that's just, they're going the wrong direction. They're making bad decisions. And so you pray for them and you pray for them and you pray for them. And then you get a chance to talk to them. Aren't you more, aren't your eyes open to the opportunity to, to give them scripture? Let me, let me give you some advice here. I love you and I've been praying for you. And listen, what you're doing or what you're about to do or what you're thinking of doing, it's not wise. Let me show you what the Bible says. So prayer because it's, it's active. Prayer is not something where we just sort of throw it up to God and hope he can take care of it and we walk away. Because it's active, it makes us sensitive to what God is doing around us. So as we look at this prayer list here in a few minutes, as we share some extra prayer requests, as we sit down, or we're already sitting, as we t take time to pray, whether you're here or whether you're at home, let's ask the question, what is God trying to accomplish through Elmira Baptist Church? Now, that's a pretty broad question because it may be different for Sarah than it is for Eva, than it is for David, than it is for Christy, than it is for me. But we're not just praying, just throwing things up at the ceiling and hope, wonder, wonder what will stick. We're going to 
We're going to target the same things God is targeting in my life, the same things God is targeting in your life. Let me give you an example about this. And uh, if these people are watch- watching, sorry, but you get to be a sermon illustration tonight. You may remember when Nirma brought to our attention to pray for her friend Sonia, whose boyfriend's brother had been hit by a bus. Now, frankly, I don't know Kevin. This was the guy that was hit. I, I don't know him. And as far as I knew, nobody in this congregation had the slightest idea who Kevin was. Some of you know Sonia. Maybe some of you had met Brian before, but nobody knew who this Kevin was. And she was just insistent, Sonia was, that we had to pray. She was so insistent, my wife will tell you, I drove all the way down to, what was it, Fremont? Somewhere down there in the East Bay past Hayward to, to, to go to this hospital, to stand by this guy's bed. He's, he's out. He's in a coma. But I told Sonia I would, I would take my prayers to his bedside, and so I went and prayed. I don't know if you noticed, but not last Sunday, a week and a half ago, two Sundays ago, Sonia and Brian were both here. The only reason they missed this last Sunday, I was in touch with them, the only reason they missed this last Sunday was because they were both sick. I expect to see him again this Sunday. Why are we praying? Because we believe God's at work in Sonia and Brian and Kevin's life. By the way, Kevin is now speaking. It started with him. He, had a, he was intubated, having trouble breathing, so he started by writing out things. And they realized this guy is conscious, and now he's talking. God's at work. We're going to keep praying, not that Kevin's healed so that he can go back to whatever he was doing. before. We're going to pray for Kevin and Brian to be saved. I believe Sonia is a Christian lady. We we're praying for her to get serious about a Christian life. So when we're praying through this prayer list, we're not just, okay, you know, this person has a problem and that person has a problem. And Lord, you know, there's a lot of problems. Let's, let's think of it as shooting arrows at a target. And there's purpose behind our prayer requests. And if we don't know how to pray, we can ask God. Hey, God, I, we're going to talk more about this next week. I don't know how to pray for this person. Show me how to pray. Um, so that we're not just, prayer isn't just, you know, I'm, I'm just praying for you because of your burden. No, I, I believe God's at work. And as you give your prayer request to Cindy, phone, text, caller, uh, you uh, send an email, or you give them to me, sometimes I'll even ask you, how do you think we should pray? Because I don't just want to put a name and cancer on here. What is it that they need? And I want to put that on here. Don't misunderstand. But what's the target? What is it that you think God is trying to accomplish in this person's life or this family's life? And how can we pray specifically for things to happen? Then it also helps us because when our prayers are answered, we can see, yeah, we prayed for that. Not just bless so-and-so. God's so good, he blesses us. He's a good God, but, but more specific than that so that we can see specific answers to prayer. So hear my heart. When I talk about our, our, our prayer meetings being dynamic, I don't just mean we all get up and we throw our hands in the air and we cry tears and it's just so emotional. I'm not talking about emotionalism. I mean targeted. We're going we're gonna to take these, and we're going to talk about some of these in a minute. We're going to take these prayer requests. We're going to pray for people, not just because we're burdened for them. We are. But because we believe God's trying to accomplish something in their life and we want Elmira Baptist Church to be a part of what he's doing. We'll continue uh, this um, study next week um, about prayer, prayer uh, the, the dynamic prayer meeting. But think of that tonight as we bring these requests to the Lord and others. 
what does God want to accomplish through Elmira Baptist Church? Why are we praying for this person or this family? Is it just, you know, they're hurting and we hurt when they hurt? That's a good reason to pray. Don't misunderstand me. Let's take that a step further and ask, God, what? I said this to someone recently who is hurting. Pain is God's megaphone. When he wants to get our attention sometimes, the only way he can get our attention is by putting us through a painful experience. And if you've been a Christian any length of time, you know it. It's not always physical pain. It's the pain of a, a loved one making terrible decisions. It's the pain of, of, of loss because a loved one, even a loved one who's a strong Christian has died and now that hold. So, so pain is God's way of saying, hey, Pay attention. So these folks that are going through pain, so many of them, so many of the folks on here have some pain, emotional, physical pain, spiritual, whole. What is God trying to accomplish? Let's pray for that tonight.